Father, as we enter this new month, the month of December, and as we move closer toward the celebration of the birth of your son, Jesus, we're reminded of the love that you have for us. We're reminded that you don't sit by idle, waiting for us to come to you, but you are searching for us. You are drawing us through your Holy Spirit. And Father, today I pray for the one that is sensing that drawing of the Holy Spirit, and maybe never before have they responded to that drawing. I pray that even now they will begin to open their heart's door to you. And I pray that this Christmas season will be the first season that they have ever been able to understand the true meaning of Christmas. Father, we thank you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning here on Church Online. I'm glad that you've decided to join us. We're starting a brand new series for the month of December, and I hope that you'll decide to join us every Sunday of the month. I'm looking forward to being together with you. As we get started this morning, I want to remind you of a time in our country. We're going to go back a few years. The year was 1943. Our world was at war. It was World War II. And Americans that were serving our country, protecting us as a nation, they found themselves celebrating Christmas on the battlefield. There was a new song that year that came out at the holiday time. And it was a song that Bing Crosby sang, and it was called, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Leading up to the release of that song, a number of particular uh, singers and publishers were approached, and no one wanted to record that song. And the reason was because the ending line of the song was considered a very sad line. And that line says, if only in my dreams. That song, as it turned out, recorded by Crosby, it, taught, it touched a soft spot in the hearts of Americans, particularly those that were in the military, but also those who are civilians. And it was considered to be the best gift that could have ever been given to our soldiers. Now, I want you to understand that the British government actually outlawed that song because they felt that that line would literally cause the, the morale in their troops to go down as a result. Well, today, many of us are looking, I think, to satisfy that soft spot in our hearts. As we approach Christmas, still in the midst of a pandemic, and we're looking, we're searching, we're hoping that we can satisfy that soft spot in our hearts. And we're looking for Christmas to help us accomplish that. I put out a post this week on social media, and I have been really surprised by the number of responses and, and the emotional level of many of those responses. 
And the question that I raised was about, are you putting your decorations up early this year? And I was chastised because it's not early when my post went out. I wasn't referring to today being early or not early, but it's been amazing to me how people feel like this year they need something a little bit special. One of the things in our lives that really causes us to be nostalgic at this time of year is the music that we listen to. Christmas music gives us a feeling of, of, of nostalgia. It gives us the warm fuzzies. And I remember, and I've, I've done this numerous times, I love doing this, and, and I'll t- I'm so grateful for technology, otherwise it wouldn't be able to happen. But I, I remember the day I figured out I could do a search on YouTube for the favorite Christmas album that I listened to when I was growing up, which happened to be Captain Kangaroo's Christmas album. And I play that in my kitchen during the Christmas season while I'm making a meal or something like that. And my children will be dying. And they, they mock me and they make fun of me. But I will tell you, that album makes me feel good. It makes me remember good things about my childhood. Well, I'm glad that you've joined us for this December series because we're going to talk about something, and the title of our series is called Tis the Season, and we're going to look at the history and the messages behind some of the most important carols, uh, and and some of them that are, are, are not necessarily significant culturally, but they have made a difference in our culture uh, throughout the month. And today, the title of my message is called The Christmas Carol. Now, I want to warn you, this is not the Dickens Christmas Carol, but it is The Christmas Carol. Today, we're going to talk about possibly the oldest Christmas carol that we have, that we have access to historically. William Studwell was a professor at Northern Illinois University. He actually recently passed away. He was considered the foremost authority on Christmas carols here in the United States. And Studwell said this about the Christmas carol. He said, no other carol has had a stronger cultural effect as a whole. Historians agree that this carol originated in London in the 1500s. The earliest manuscripts that we have date back as far as 1650, and they are from England. William Henry Husk in 1868 said this, There is no carol, perhaps, so universally known as this. Historians actually point out that there was a time in history when people might not know any carol, Christmas carol, at all. And if they did, this would be the one carol that they were actually familiar with. It was literally referred to as the Christmas carol. It follows the narrative of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. Here are some of the lyrics. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. 
For Jesus Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, O tidings of comfort and joy. So what does this carol, the oldest carol that we're aware of, what does it teach us today? The first thing that it tells us is about the best kept secret. Now, I have to admit to you that I don't like secrets because there's too much pressure. And I'm always worried that I'm going to forget that someone has told me this is confidential. You can't tell anyone else. But Christmas is a time where we generally keep a lot of secrets. I remember when I was shopping as a kid with my parents. And at the time, I remember being given the responsibility of buying a gift for my brother Dan. In fact, he was also given the same responsibility to buy a gift for me. And we were pretty young, and I remember the car ride home from wherever we went shopping, and I remember looking across the, the back seat of the car at my brother Dan and him looking at me, and someone suggested, hey, if I can see the gift you got me, I'll show you the gift that I got you. And that began really a, a series of events in our lives centering around breaking the secrets at Christmas time. But God had kept a secret. And this secret that God had been keeping was from before creation. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, where the Apostle Paul writes this. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But, as, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, was established before times eternal. The word gospel literally means the good news. It's referring to the Messiah coming on the scene. And we have learned through God's word that the Messiah has brought about the availability of God's plan of salvation through Jesus' death and resurrection. Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 says, The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is the mystery that was previously kept secret since the beginning of the world. And the hope of glory is that mystery living inside of you and I through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When we look at the words of God rest ye merry gentlemen, we look at that phrase, God rest you merry. That phrase was a greeting that was very common in England among the lower class. 
And what it literally referred to was, God give you peace, good gentlemen. God grant you joy, dear gentle ones. The author is not speaking of a bunch of merry gentlemen that need to take a rest from their merriment. But literally, it's this idea of, of, of greeting one another with God's peace and wishing God's joy upon our lives. The placement of the comma in that phrase means everything. It means God's rest to you versus God's rest ye marry, meaning that, that idea of blessing upon their lives. God's secret gospel has been revealed to you and I. That's what he is saying when he says, God rest ye Mary, gentlemen, don't be dismayed because Christ has been revealed. God's secret of the gospel of the kingdom has been revealed and I'm going to tell you about it. This secret has been revealed. And that's a lot like Christmas morning for us when, when secrets are revealed, things that we've been keeping quiet, that we haven't told anyone about, the gifts that we've bought for them that we exchange on Christmas. We reveal that secret to one another. On that first Christmas, God revealed this secret to us. So let's look at the second thing that we learn through this this oldest of all carols, and that is that God's mystery has been revealed to us. Let's look at the second verse of the song. From God our heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Let's look at Luke where that comes from, chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. He says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. God's Son put on human flesh, and He was born in order that He might dwell among us, that He might carry out this secret that God had been keeping since before the creation of the world, that the Messiah would come, that he would die and be raised again, that you and I might have life. And that night, this mystery of the gospel was being announced by the angels to the shepherds who lived around the city of Bethlehem. This song is actually the earliest known song announcing that, that, that truth that we now understand. And it's really important to us. Look at Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 with me for just a moment. Because Isaiah it was written uh, 750 years before Jesus was ever born. And I want us to see that verse. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 
Matthew's account of Isaiah's, of the birth of Jesus, mentions Isaiah's words there, but he goes a little bit further and he gives the, the meaning of that word, Emmanuel, which means God with us. This mystery that's been hidden for the ages has now been revealed. It's been announced by angels, and interestingly, it's announced first to the shepherds, the lowest class of society. They were, they were really considered unclean. They were, they were not a, a very uh, well-liked group in society at that point. But it's now been revealed to everyone, meaning that God has sent his son, Jesus, to the earth to die for our sins. So the question becomes, for you and I, what are we going to do with this information? What are we going to do with this secret that has been revealed so that we can act on it? You see, that's why the information of a secret, that's why it is shared. It's shared so that we can actually do something with that information. Let me illustrate really quickly. If in March of this year, or maybe early April, I whispered to you, hey, do you want some toilet paper? You would immediately respond and say, tell me where it is, because I need to go get some. That's a secret that I would be sharing and you would act on that information. Now that we've been told about this secret that's been kept and hidden from ages past, the question is what will we do with that information? It's not just to feel better during the, the holiday season. That secret has been revealed to you and I the same way it was to the shepherds so that we would be able to have an opportunity to accept Jesus. The third thing that we learn is that history tends to repeat itself. George Santayana said this, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. You know, over the course of 1,500 years or 1,600 years, the church had changed very dramatically. The 1600s were a, a time of great change within the church. The church tradition, the church service was done completely in Latin. The scriptures that were read, the liturgy that was followed and declared, the music that was sung, all of it was in Latin. The problem was that only the clergy understood Latin. So in that service, no one knew what was being said. Even though they, they would sing, even though they would repeat things, they did not actually know what was being said. This was an attempt to keep the gospel a mystery. Just think of that. 1,500 years after the angels declared that mystery to the shepherds, there were those that were still trying to keep that mystery a secret. The common man was not able to understand the declaration of the gospel. We're told that there were actually clergy that would turn their backs on the worshipers as they would conduct the service in Latin. Well, that 16th century brought about incredible uh, reform. In fact, it was called the Great Reformation. 
leaders of that movement actually paid for their lives. They were martyred because they believed that the common man needed access to the Bible. Upon the invention of the Gutenberg Press, Martin Luther translated the scriptures into German, and William Tyndale translated them into English. And so there was this incredible explosion that happened because the common man was gaining access to the Word of God. And so the song, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, was actually a direct reaction to the atmosphere that had been taking place in the church during the 15th and 16th centuries. Laymen had previously no access to the scriptures. Now there was limited access. It was coming out, and these songs were created. They were written uh, based on what they were learning from the Word of God. They were not always doctrinally perfect, but they were written that way, and they became the basis for the Christmas carols that would be, uh, become so famous and so loved in culture. Well, it was their way of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. That statement, God rest ye merry gentlemen, it literally represented a revolution that was happening. The gospel was now in the hands of common man, and this song was taken directly from Luke chapter 2. Well, the last thing that we learn from this song is that there's a cultural transformation that's taken place around Christmas. You and I know, especially up here, we know that Christmas is the celebration of the birth of the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior. We all know that December 25th is not a sacred day because that day was just picked by someone. We do not know historically what day Jesus was actually born. It's just a day that someone picked. So what has Christmas become in our lives? Well, if we're, if we're honest, certainly it has become gifts. It has become decorations. It has become trees and stockings. It's become traditions and memories. It's become carols. And I want you to know that as I say that, I am not condemning those things. Because my family right now is in the process of decorating our Christmas tree. If you drive by my house, there are Christmas lights on my home. But what we need to be careful of is allowing Christmas to become those things. Penny Rested wrote uh, an article called How Christmas Became the Most Commercialized Holiday. And I want to read that quote to you. It says this, in 1800, Americans recognized the holiday in scattered fragments, perhaps with a church service, a feast, or an outbreak of rowdiness. More often, Christmas Day passed unnoted. These days, it is a commonplace to say that the, econom the economy depends on Christmas sales and that marketing strategies such as Black Friday threaten the holiday of yore. True enough, 
But less often noted is that the market revolution of the 19th century and the consumer economy it created made possible and continues to sustain what we mean when we talk about the spirit of Christmas. Friends, today, the sounds of Christmas have become so noisy that it is almost impossible in fact, it is a struggle for us to hear the words, the voice of the angels as they declared the Messiah to the shepherds that night. We have to be careful because it's so easy for us to allow Christmas to become about everything other than celebrating with the angels and with the shepherds. And they, of course, were celebrating the birth of the one who had come to die for the sins of all mankind on the cross. Friends, our culture here in America has become Christmas rich and yet gospel poor. As I close today, I'm reminded of the difficulty that 2020 has been. It's been a challenge and I posed my question on Facebook, already really having a sense of the direction that the answers would come back to me. And Christmas decorations make us feel good. But what is it that really makes us feel good? Look at the Gospel of Luke again, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 where Luke says this, but the angels said to them, do not be afraid. I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, the problem is that here in 2020, we have felt more anxiety than we ever have before maybe a greater sense of fear than we ever have before. And we're looking, we're looking for a sense of peace. We're looking for a sense of joy. But the problem is that those are lasting qualities. And they are not based on temporary things. And that peace and that joy that we are looking for can only be found in the ones, in the one rather, that the angels announced. And the message of that oldest of all carols still rings true today. Let me read another verse for you. It says, Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place, and with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace this holy tide of Christmas, all other doth efface. Let me speak to you very directly and ask you this question. Yes, because it's 2020. Are you in search of peace and comfort and joy today? Maybe like you never have before. Maybe you've never heard the message of the gospel of Jesus. 
Maybe you've never heard what the angel said to the shepherd the way I've shared it with you today. Maybe you did not realize the connection between a Christmas carol like God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen and, and, and what Jesus represents. I want you to know today that you can have the peace and the comfort and the joy that you desire that you are longing for because of what we've gone through this year and the feeling that you have and that you are searching for, you can find it. But not in the presence, not in the tree, not in the lights. And those are all fine things. But you're only going to find the peace, the lasting joy that you're looking for through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that now is the time of salvation. I'd invite you as we close to bow your heads and close your eyes and let's just pray together. Our precious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity that I've had here today to gather with these folks through church online to be able to talk about this, this incredible old Christmas carol and the truth that it speaks. And Father, I pray for those that, that they've, they've experienced a range of emotions and they feel a deficit and they don't know exactly how to fill it. And they are hoping that the Christmas season is going to bring about something that's going to satisfy them. And Father, I pray that that, that soft spot that we are looking to have satisfied, I pray that rather than looking to the things that surround Christmas, we will look to the thing that is at the center of Christmas. Father, for that person today that says, I'm ready. I'm ready to experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to do. Simply pray this in your own words. Dear Jesus, at this Christmas time this year, I want to put my trust in Jesus as my Savior. I believe that the angels announced his coming to the shepherds that day and that Jesus came to live and to die for my sin and to be raised again on the third day. And I thank you for that free gift of salvation that you have offered to me today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I just want to encourage you to reach out to us because we have a gift that we would like to put in your hands, something that will help you during this Christmas season to grow in your understanding of who Jesus is and this newfound faith that you have in him. I'm so glad that you joined us. I, I want to invite you to join us again next week and make sure that you invite some family and friends 
to participate in one of our services as well because we believe that over the course of this month, their hearts will be touched and that God can do something great in their lives. Thank you for being with us today. We want you to know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we can't wait to see you very soon.